Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking tax extensions, click to cancel, and the value of money. That's right, buddy. This is our Friday flight. And by the way, that's Good Friday. So happy, yeah. well, happy Good Friday to folks, or if not, good day to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but either way, we are going to talk about the best stories that we came across this week, and specifically, we're going to address how they pertain to your personal finances, do, your money. Do you have a favorite Easter candy? Oh, okay. So the Robin's egg. Those are great. As a kid, I remember eating those uh, those candies and they've got the little malt centers and they fell off my radar for like years and years. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I came across one of those. And I was like, oh, it's, the, it's, Re- the, it's the candy from my childhood. Rekindled your love affair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a, I'm I'm a, a big... Cadbury cream egg guy. Although I know oh, those can be polarizing. Gross. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I like, like sugary goo. It's terrible and great at the same time. As opposed to dry, crunchy sugariness, yeah. which is inside the middle of a, a malt ball, essentially. I don't know why I like those. Because I, I do kind of, sometimes they do repulse me a little. If you think about like, it, they kind of gross you out. What's wrong they? with me? But <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like them too. They so. always had the best commercials back in the uh, late 80s and yeah. 90s with a lot, you know, everyone's trying not to be the, the bunny, like the Cadbury. <laughs> yes, egg. those were good. All right. I want to ask you a quick question. So every Monday, you and I, we go get coffee at our local coffee shop. We do it once a week to uh-huh. kind of make sure that we don't get too addicted to it. And it makes it kind of uh, a highlight of the week, it right? It's a special occasion. It's special a good thing. way to, to shake off the weekend a little bit yeah. and say, you know what? It's time to 
get down to business. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so the other day we were there, grabbed some coffee, and then I was picking up something else that they sell as like a present for mm. a friend. And when we get coffee, we always tip well because we're not jerks. Um, but uh, then when I got a physical good... 15%. To me, at least, that feels like the what you, what you would pay at the window yeah. uh, when it comes to coffee. Because they're, they're making the drink, but it's also you were standing there waiting. You walk up to the window. It's that kind of thing. Yes. All right. But it's not qu- like a full-on re- sit-down restaurant. Question for you, because afterwards I went back and I had to get actual like a, a good. An item. That they sell. Pre-made. An item they sell. And the same tipping thing came oh. up. And I was like, love you guys. I'm not going to tip on this, though. <laughs> because it's literally just handing me the thing in a bag. Yeah, they just turned around, grabbed it, and then yeah. gave it to you. Paying... Uh, tipping for the coffee because it's like something that needs to be made it feels completely different some tender love and care that goes into making those well lately we've been getting those flat whites yeah i'm like don't spit in my flat white (laughs) i'll tip you well (laughs) Um, but when it comes to tipping on top of that i get why like it's just the standard screen that pops up no matter what they're selling so you did zero tip i did zero tip on that i think your conscience should be completely clear okay absolutely just want to make sure it was basically these handmade bitters that one of their friends sells i think that is totally fine just wanted to make sure i wasn't being a no, that, it's an item. It should be. It's not like when you go to the store to buy a f- tangible good. Right. They're not asking you to tip at the grocery store yeah. or any sort of even a, a homemade goods kind of store. Right. You're, they're not necessarily asking you to tip. It's just a transaction. So that's, yeah, that's how I felt. I think about you it. should be. Yeah, you're totally in the clear. Okay. In my book. But if you disagree, you can email Joel directly. I feel like you're my Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like going to confession. Your sins have been absolved. Sir. <laughs> good to know. All right. So let's move on. Matt. Let's get to the, the Friday flight uh, samplings of, of stories we found interesting this week and how they pertain to your personal finances. Let's talk about taxes for just a second. We got a lot of good stuff to get to, by the way. Um, and and the, the tax deadline, just over a week away. And just kind of word of the wise, just want to make a note, make sure to file an extension on your taxes if you need to, if you have not yet filed. Not everyone needs to, though, actually. A lot of California residents in particular have extra time to file because of like some of the insane weather events that have happened there this year. And I think I think they have until like October 16th. But if you're like uh, planning on getting a refund, if you think you're going to get a refund, there's no need. Well, and you're prepared. There's no need to wait as long as you can. Feel free to file early if you want. But um, just, yeah, the, filing an extension, by the way, it doesn't mean that you don't have to pay the estimated tax that you might owe. So if you're like, I'm going to file an extension in hopes that I can like wait longer. Weasel to my way out of this. <laughs> the government, that's not how it works. You you will owe penalties and interest in all likelihood if you do that. So, uh, but make sure to file that extension or file your taxes because that's coming up soon. By the way, uh, Matt saw the stat. The average person spends somewhere between 11 and 13 hours oh, doing their taxes. That's terrible. And $250 to do it as well, which just feels wild. That's like a long time. And I get it. I, I feel like it takes me a long time, even though I'm not doing my taxes, just gathering all the stuff to send to the person who does my taxes for me. Uh, it's I'm glad they handle it because it would just be an, a complete annoyance. But even just the gathering of the stuff is just a pain too. I've, so this, I feel like it's more of a mental weight than anything else yeah, as, so. as, as opposed to the actual time. Because if I actually were to calculate, quantify the, the amount of time that I spent getting my, my forms together, like I guess I've spent maybe about 30 minutes doing taxes yeah. this year, literally. I'll tell you a trick. I'd probably build it up more in my mind. Exactly. It's it's more of a mental weight, like a mental, emotional sort of weight as opposed to the, the time that goes into it. But I will say one of the things I do that I've found myself doing every single year now is so a little tip 
label and name your files really well from previous years and just keep a tax folder and you've got all your different years of filing your taxes there within that folder. And then as you're getting your documents together, look back at that previous year. That way you know what forms to look for. And so I use that basically as like my template as a basis. Obviously, as I receive 1098s or 1099s notifications via email, I go and I'll get them and I just kind of plop them in that folder. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I go and label those and whatever ones I'm missing, that's when I go and then hunt those down. Uh, It makes it super easy to uh, organize, but then also it makes it easy for my tax preparer as well because she knows exactly, she knows my system. Yeah. Uh, So I think it it makes it easier for her You're probably like really easy to work with. (laughs) She's probably like, man, he's the best client ever. (laughs) Yeah. That guy Joel, he's a little squirrely. Very well (laughs) labeled. Uh, But yeah, I wanted to mention that. And also on that note, did you know that 70% of Americans qualify to use the IRS free file system? But it turns out that only 2% of Americans actually go that route. So 70% qualify, only 2% of Americans actually use that as an option. Uh, so one of the folks to, to know that that's something you can take advantage of if you make $73,000 or less, or your AGI, if it's 73 or less, you qualify to file via the free file system. So even if you make 90, but you max out your 401k, you qualify for ding, ding, ding. IRS free file. Exactly. Um, and and cash app taxes is, is another one we've talked about as like a great system that allows you to file federal and state for free. So if you're like, Got to get on that this weekend. Yes, you do. And either of those places yeah, next weekend too would be a great place. You got a solid. You got ten plus days to knock this thing out. Yeah. But do it. Do it this weekend. Do it this weekend. Yeah. Right. Why not? Get it off your to do list. Get it off your plate. All right. Let's talk about housing, Matt, for a second. What's going on with real estate now? Things have shifted over the last year in particular. But so much of how they've shifted and what's happening depends on where you live. Like everyone knows the saying, location, 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 in terms of real estate. And that's always true, right? But it's even truer right now. The Wall Street Journal, they just published a map of where home prices are going up and where they're falling. This is a crazy map. It's crazy to see. (laughs) It's really, really interesting. Yes. As guys who are kind of real estate nerds ourselves, it's like, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to see what's happening around the nation. And it's largely what's happening with home prices is an East Coast versus West Coast phenomena. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I really know nothing about rap or rap battles or anything like that. But <laughs> isn't, isn't that like a thing, like East Coast versus West Coast in terms of rappers? Yeah, like back in the 90s. Okay. <laughs> Not anymore? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, don't, the, I don't think they care anymore. And then the Southern groups like Outkast, we're just, they're their own thing, right? Oh, yeah. Southern rap's a, a completely different beast. And they, I feel like they dominate. They stayed above the fray. I, I, I feel like, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, well, San Francisco, San Jose, and Seattle, they're all seeing significant drops in home prices in the neighborhood of like 10% year over year, which is which is interesting to see. Okay, before we get any further from rap battles, did you watch Hustle and Flow back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah, I love oh, that movie. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was great. I just want to make sure. I don't think we've ever talked about <laughs> that movie. That was like movie. Memphis, Memphis rap scene right there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, my wife's from Memphis, so I had to watch it. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. It's like required watching in order <laughs> right. to date. Uh, She's like, like, you can't date me unless you watch this movie. Her mom actually made you watch right. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I love that one. Terrence okay. Howard is like... So good. Great actor. So good. All right, but um, yeah, so, so the West Sorry. Coast, we're seeing these price drops somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% in some of these major cities. East Coast, the opposite is happening because like even in like Buffalo, right, which I was kind of shocked to see, but Buffalo, Miami, Orlando, they're seeing significant price increases despite rising rates. And so uh, the the stats even show, Matt, that where we live, the cost of a single family home in Atlanta is up 
49% over the past three years, and it's gone up over the past year. So it's just a reminder that housing trends really are a, an incredibly local thing, and they're constantly shifting mm -hmm. too. So d depending on where you live, you might have been like, man, Seattle is completely unaffordable. Well, guess what? It has gotten a whole lot more affordable. Granted, rates are still like not awesome, um, and so affordability as a whole isn't great, but prices are coming down in a lot of cities where prices were kind of up in the stratosphere. Sure. It's a good note that even though the nationwide, the median house price nationwide has decreased, it depends specifically what coast you're on, mm -hmm. which side of Denver specifically that you're on, whether you're on the uh, east or western side of that city. Yeah. Or like Boise, for instance. Sometimes it's about which cities pop the hardest. Sometimes those yeah. fall the furthest. And, and so I think Boise home prices are down a good bit too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So while we're talking about real estate affordability, let's uh, mention a recent article in our local paper, the AJC. The which I usually use to pick up dog poop personally. <laughs> but Okay. So they were... Uh, the online version that I was reading, uh, but they were talking about accessory dwelling units, ADUs, uh, and how they can continue to help solve the affordable housing problem here in our country, uh, specifically because they add density, especially in older neighborhoods. And that density would, would be otherwise hard to create, uh, but more units, more competition in the rental space. All of these things lead to lower prices. Sadly, ADUs are actually still illegal in many states and different municipalities. Uh, I saw that California, Florida, Texas, and Georgia account for about 50% of ADUs wow. across the country. Four so states. Go Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, I mean, they're not a silver bullet, of course, but we think that building more of these things, more of these ADUs is a good thing, but it's not going to solve the housing shortage that we face by itself. It's expected that we're going to see, continue to see housing prices over the next decade continue to rise as more folks enter into that house buying stage of life uh, as more millennials in particular are looking to own. Yeah. And I think building an ADU, if you're, if you're like, I kind of want to get into real estate investing, but I'm not, I'm not sure I want to buy a quadplex or anything like that. If you own a home and you've got the space to build an ADU, that can be the perfect way to get your feet wet. Right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of how to money listeners, if it's legal where you live and, and if it's kind of becoming a thing, it, it might be worth looking into. I will say this. I, I think some people are starting to build what's known as junior ADUs. I don't know if you've seen that, but those are even smaller. And those like tiny homes, they're not required oh. to have a bathroom in them though. And oh. so I think that's probably a bad move for a lot of people because the bath, the lack of a bathroom is going to prevent it from being as lucrative as it could be. And even though it might be cheaper to build out, it's, it's probably not going to add the value. You're junior, for. like a shipping container that's your office. I guess, <laughs> I guess. You know? like it's, yeah. it's just it's a, a lot you can do if you don't have a bathroom in there, man. I know, but regular ADUs, I think, can make sense from they make sense from a societal standpoint, but also often from like an individual standpoint, building something in your yard to make some extra money. I like it. Let's talk about home renovations for a second, Matt. Though those have also fallen prey to inflation in a big way, causing a lot of folks to opt for the DIY route. They're they're saying, you know what? Instead of hiring this person to do this project for me. I guess I'm just going to do it myself. And hourly wages for general construction workers are up in the neighborhood of 40% in the past few years. And renovation jobs are apparently taking something like two and a half times longer on average over the past few years. And so uh, at the same time, materials cost more too. So it just feels like a tough time to renovate. And I think making that decision is always tough for folks. Like, should I update the kitchen, the bathroom, or add on that porch? It's just never an easy decision. And there are a lot of finances involved when you're talking about 
doing any sort of renovation to your home, it's a major financial conundrum. But our prediction is that it's going to be cheaper actually for lots of folks to renovate instead of moving in a whole lot of the country, especially if it means giving up a a super low locked in interest rate. So I know it can be hard and you might say the timeline's longer, the expense is more, but uh, if you're planning to do a renovation, crunch the numbers and see which one makes more sense, just be sure to save diligently so that you're not taking on a bunch of high interest rate debt to, to you know, fuel that renovation. Sure, yeah. And if you thought that this is something you're going to be able to do overnight with a snap of some fingers, think again. <laughs> Any contractor that I've talked to recently, I mean, they're booked out into the summer. Uh, and so just, yeah, ask around. We, we're actually having some work done to our house. We're screening in a back porch. And guess who we ended up using? Somebody our neighbors used. And we, it was a great recommendation. And so, and so certainly look to neighbors uh, and ask them, are you happy with their work? How have they been on uh, on the quote, on the price that they gave you? How quick have they been? How's the mm-hmm. quality? Those are going to be the, the factors that you're going to want to consider. And I do think it's true that they typically say you, you get two out of those three, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in, in our case, good, fast or cheap. I, our guy is good. And he's pretty affordable, but he is not fast. <laughs> and uh, But that works for us. That's something that we're willing to to give on there. Uh, Joe, let's talk about whether or not folks should work a job that they hate if it means making more money. Uh, that was actually the subject of a recent YouGov poll. And the results showed that as folks get older, that they're more willing to get paid less money in order to enjoy the work that they're performing which I think that makes makes a whole lot of sense. These are folks who have likely dealt with some crappy jobs over the years or, or even decades at this point. And they're also typically going to be more financially stable, right? So that they have the ability to opt for a healthy lifestyle over a bigger paycheck. That being said, like we know that these decisions are never going to be easy as you're trying to des- decide, in particular, if you're talking about maybe even taking a pay cut. But what it is that you decide will likely depend on like what your particular money and what your family situation looks like, right? Like the number of folks who are dependent on you. Uh, it might make sense to maybe temporarily sacrifice the career path and doing something that you truly love in order to get that ba- bigger paycheck, at least for a short period of time, if that means that's going to allow you to uh, achieve some important personal finance milestones. But man, <laughs> it can be draining to go to a job that you hate each and every day. So you, you got to keep that in mind as well. You know, you'll likely be better off cutting some expenses and maybe finding a, a more sustainable path by pursuing some meaningful work as opposed to just grinding it out and working a job that you hate. Yeah. I feel like there is, it doesn't have to be a dichotomy though. It's interesting. That's true. That's an interesting question to be asked. And so I like this poll because it really does shed some light kind of on what people value. And it makes sense, like you said, that people who are older, who've been in the workforce a long time, who do have more money on hand that they might say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not willing to do a job I hate any longer. Um, and I think younger people, though, need to weigh a bunch of different things when they're kind of making that choice. But it also doesn't have to be at this binary between money or happiness. It's it's not like they're diverging paths of which you can only pick one. And uh, like there are just infinite middle grounds where I think you can you can like your job. You don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be the passion of your life or mm-hmm. something like that. And it, it's quite possible to grow big wealth in life on a modest income too. So you might say, you know, I feel like we, like that question we had on a recent Ask HTM from a librarian. She's like, I love my job. I don't want to go out there and make more. And she's trying to figure out how to kind of achieve all her money goals on a modest salary. And I think that's great. Like, I think know yourself and sometimes yeah. uh, making less to do the work that you love is the best choice. And sometimes, at least for a while, like you said, 
it makes sense to sacrifice the ideal job for you in order to grow your income because you have other goals, other things that you need to achieve. Uh, but I, I agree, being able to show up at work and not hate your life is pretty important too. So we yeah. definitely don't wish that on anyone. Uh, I don't think there's any need to to take that extreme of a route, right? Yeah, like it's, it's not 100% one or the other. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. There's a there's a wide spectrum that you get to choose from. But I, I do think it is interesting to see though that as typically as folks get older, they start making that switch from valuing money versus valuing their time, right? Like it's, it's a natural sort of progression because you begin to see that, oh, this resource that you thought you had a ton of when you were younger, you're mm -hmm. looking ahead and it seemed like time is infinite. Like, oh, I can always do that tomorrow. But you know, once you start getting up and up in the years a little bit, you, you realize, and this is something you've always known, but you realize, oh, well, I've got a limited number of years left here on this planet and how it is I get to, to spend my days that impacts a, a lot of a lot of my life, a lot of my, my actual happiness. Spoken, so. spoken like someone who has... Who is actually aging. Experience uh, well, going over the hill. We're, <laughs> I'm not there yet. So. We're all aging, but I think there's... You'll be here soon, my friend. Um, I do. I also think this is a reason. That's what you think. Why, <laughs> why we're such big fans of Coast Fire as well, right? So Fire, that's the financial independence, retire early movement. And Coast Fire is all about doing the heavy lifting on the front end. And I, I think to a large extent, that's sort of what we've done. And that has allowed us to do something like create this fun podcast that at the time we're like, is this going to work out? Are we going to be able to make any money doing right. this? I'm not totally sure. But it allows us to take a risk that we otherwise absolutely. would have felt unable to take. And when you uh, eat, while you're doing that job and you're like, it's not my favorite, start banking for kind of the future and for those other decisions you want to make it, having more financial margin having more cash on hand doing making better moves with your money now allows you to make those choices to do stuff that you love later on absolutely yeah i feel like you and i are super lucky because we get to do something we truly do love but for a lot of folks it's they're ba it's baby steps between yeah. doing uh, a job that you don't necessarily love in order to make the maximum amount of money. But then you just take that next small step towards doing something maybe that you like a little bit more, even if it doesn't necessarily get you the most bang for your buck. Yeah. But enough about that, Joel. We've got additional stories that we're going to get to. We're going to discuss how hopefully very soon it'll be much easier for us to cut some subscriptions from our lives. And we're going to talk about dynamic pricing, how maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. We'll discuss all of that right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 
25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. All right, Matt, the Friday flight continues. But uh, as always, we got to get to our ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from the Harvard Business Review, the astute people at the Ivy League institution. And the headline goes, too many employees cash out their 401ks when leaving a job. This is the headline we agree with. <laughs> yes, they too, do. Too, too many, many folks do are doing this. It's a, it's a problem, right? And you and I, we, we, like, we've talked about how switching jobs can be great for your income, which is so true, especially kind of what's happening in the economy right now. We've seen more job openings per people looking for jobs, mm-hmm. which means you've got, it's not like shooting fish in a barrel, but it's kind of close to it. And it's easier than ever to go out and make more money. Sure. Well, you don't have to leave your job in order to make more. We talked with Alex Carter a couple weeks ago, episode yeah. 649. And she talked about how you can negotiate that raise True. while keeping that job that you that you love. Exactly. But when people are leaving their jobs, mm-hmm. when they do mosey down the road, they and, and let's say they do it in order to get a 15, 20, 30% pay raise, congrats, but they're making one major mistake when they do it. They're they're cashing out their 401k at the same time. There there's like a dark underbelly <laughs> to this to this move down the street when people are cashing out their 401k. And Harvard Business Review says that 40 plus percent of folks cash out their retirement account on the way out the door, which is a terrible idea. Yeah, it's a bad move. On so many levels, because it means that those dollars are no longer working on your behalf. Plus, you're going to owe taxes and a 10% penalty. And so this money, it might not 
actually be untouchable, but you should think of it that way. Touching it is, <laughs> and, and grabbing it and starting, you know, spend, spending that money is one of the worst things you could do. Yeah, basically, we want you to think about it as if you were stealing this from uh, an, another person. And it kind of is another person, your future self. Yeah. We don't want you to ransack your retirement account. Don't pick your own pocket. No, yeah. And so as you receive a letter from your employer, they're going to ask you, uh, what do you want to do with this 401k? You can either uh, cash it out, leave it put. You can either roll it over. We would suggest the latter two. Don't cash it out. Either let it be if you are with a provider that has low to no fees and great investing options, or use a company like Capitalize and roll that 401k over to another provider that does have low fees and who is also going to allow you to reach your investing goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but it's not all bad news when it comes to retirement accounts. Let's take a look at the bright side for a second. And Gen Z investors, they were the only segment of the population to see their balances go up last year in 2022. Hmm. This is according to Fidelity. Uh, And so the average account balance was down in the 23% range, which makes sense considering that's that's about what the S&P was down, for Mm -hmm. instance, last year. Gen Z investors, they saw their accounts, they saw their balances go up by around 14%. How could that be, Matt? Which is huge. The reason is, it's because they don't have that much invested yet, (laughs) right? And so even when the market tanks, it barely has an impact on their overall net worth. But, you know, simultaneously what they're doing, they are continuing to push money into the retirement plans. When you are a young investor and when you don't have a large sum built up yet, it's less about the conditions of the market. It has more to do with your contributions, which, oh, I'm going to say that it's it's less, it's more about the contributions and it's not the conditions that have an impact on younger investors. Mm. Uh, It makes me think back to like, oh, wait, preach brother. Oh, wait, no. Nine. That's. I feel like both of us. We were uh, just getting started as like serious investors. That's you right. know, we kind of d- dabbled a little bit. I was in that exact same position as these Gen Zers, where it was like I yeah. had. Yeah. I don't know, like almost nothing inside of my retirement account at that point, but I'm buying at a discount. It's the perfect time and to so buy. Everyone else is freaking out, and I'm like, ah, it feels like it's a good time for me to be investing now. Uh, and I, it's not what the they're going to hear in the headlines. It's not what they're right. going to see, and it all of that is there to instill fear in investors. Maybe not intentionally. It's not like media outlets are trying to get you to not invest. They're just trying to grab your attention. But if you're just getting started, those are headlines that you do not need to pay attention to. Yeah, when the market is is plunging, I'm glad Gen Z kept buying and I hope they just keep buying because that's the well, that's the way you're going to grow wealth over time. And it starts real small. I mean, those first few years, it didn't feel like I was making much of an impact, much of a dent, but I'm so glad I started investing when I did and hope our Gen Z listeners are doing the same. All right, let's talk about subscriptions for a second, Matt. It's no secret that we're drowning in subscriptions as mm-hmm. Americans. It, it feels like every business in the country wants somewhere between five and $20 every single month for every single one of us. And it can feel like chump change when you're signing up. Okay, five bucks for this, 10 bucks for that. But all of those uh, subscriptions add up to meaningful dollars exiting our accounts every month to the tune of, I, I want to say it's like $219 on average is what the, the average American pays in subscriptions every month. But most of us assume we're spending more like 100 bucks. <laughs> so we're just like way off in how much we think we're spending. We're spending a lot more. And you know what makes some of these subscriptions even more insidious is that when we do inevitably want to cancel, some of mm-hmm. these companies make it almost impossible to, to get out of that subscription. And the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, wants to do something about that. They just made a new proposal this week. That's right. Yeah. So they're proposing it's a, a click to cancel rule that's going to force companies to make it as easy to cancel that particular subscription as it was to sign up for it in the first place. Uh, and so obviously they make it you know e- as easy as pie for you to sign up in seconds online or from whatever app that you're using. But then they want you to 
call a phone number. They want you to mail a letter. They want you to send a fax, (laughs) jump through a bunch of hoops in order to ditch their service. And so this is just a proposal right now by the FTC. It's open to consumer comments at the moment. But, you know, as we see subscriptions proliferate, as that's becoming more and more of the business model of different companies, I think that making sure that the companies don't make canceling a subscription a nightmare, that that's going to be so important to us as consumers. Yeah. Yep. I've encountered that a few times in my life. I hate that. (laughs) I hate that when companies do that. So easy to sign up. So hard to ditch but it's like a Chinese finger trap it, it, it feels like that yeah <laughs> it's like it's so easy to get my finger in this thing did you ever play with those as a kid I, I did okay. my, my kids yeah. like to play <laughs> get them. but yeah it, it really does feel like that lots of times like they're they're enticing us into this relationship and then making it really hard for us to exit mm-hmm. um, let's talk about something else maybe that we don't like on the payment front right now Matt the Apple started rolling out its buy now pay later service last week to a few users and they're going to be granting access they say to more in the coming months and so now how to money listeners and everyone across uh, the country is going to have another option to pay for stuff in four easy installments over six weeks without paying interest or fees (laughs) which just sounds so nice when you say it that way but it's not good we're still pretty down on buy now pay later as an industry and clearly it's not doing so hot these days i mean those stocks were high flying during the pandemic but they've been walloped since then in recent months uh, but but it's pretty much always been a bad from a consumer psychology standpoint too so if you're a heavy apple user and you like using apple pay that's totally fine apple pay is is great but don't let tim cook and company make it so easy to overspend and keep you from your financial goals if you get early access to apple pay later well <laughs> it's it's something that we want you to avoid because it just makes it so easy to buy stuff based on payments as opposed to whether or not you can actually afford it and the, the actual total cost of whatever yeah. doohickey it is that you're buying and, and we've seen when you look at the numbers and when you look at the anecdotes there's just so many people who get in trouble via this because it's psychological candy <laughs> for people similar to those nefarious subscriptions like it's so easy mm-hmm. to sign up and then it can be so hard to dig out of the financial trouble that you got yourself into that's right yeah so another notes on the consumption front Inflation. It's been busting budgets nationwide. And because of that, we think that yours likely needs an update. Uh, A lot of people are spending more than they think that they are. Kind of like going back to your talking about subscriptions, how we're all spending more there than we think we are. Uh, Fact is, we're we're doing that across the board. And this is also backed by data, judging by the bigger credit card balances uh, and how quickly they've been increasing over the past couple of years. We are a fan of spring cleaning your budget, just revisiting it, maybe dusting it off at least once a year at, at the very least. Uh, but especially with inflation changing expenses in all of our lives uh, in all the different categories, it's more important than usual. We don't want you rolling with last year's budget. It's going to be most of the time where we want you to be like a late adopter uh, when it comes to products or technology because it's going to allow you to save money. But when it comes to your budget, we want you to be it's like a raven. What is it like when you're on the, the leading edge of something and you're basically spreading the good news of, of whatever it is? That's that's how we want you approaching your budget, at least. And one of the uh, tactics, I guess, that you could take is to consider increasing your budget amount by like maybe three to five percent uh, every year so that you don't end up underestimating and then dipping into your savings consistently each and every month. I think the problem with by not doing that is if you're just blowing your budget every single month, 
all of a sudden th- this budget that used to be helpful when it came to your personal finances all of a sudden becomes not only unrealistic but it also then turns into something that's unattainable yeah and i think when that shift happens you're like i'm gonna kick it to the curb it's not helping me exactly and if that were to be the case you can toss the baby out with the bathwater, and you are no longer disciplined we want you yeah. to stick with some of those practices that is going to allow you to achieve some of your different money goals if you're like oh this budget's not working anymore well update it don't toss it out exactly like, that's that's the way to go and a lot of people they need to update it if you haven't in a while yeah you probably are spending more in 2023 than you were last year all right something else that might be busting budgets though is something known as dynamic pricing and dynamic pricing is basically when the cost of a good or service changes based on demand like surge pricing from rideshare companies is the perfect example right when a a soccer game lets out matt the, it's the worst time to they hail go, an Uber. They're they going to charge you more, <laughs> right? And so it might even make sense to wait or walk a mile down the road. You're probably going to save a little bit of money on, on that ride. Airfare works in much the same way because demand is influencing the pricing that you're going to see on that plane ticket. The more flexible you are, the more you're going to be able to save. And we would say overall, this is actually a good thing, dynamic pricing. It allows bargain hunters to save money while forcing the least flexible folks to pay more. And the Wall Street Journal detailed how this strategy is now being used by other companies from restaurants to movie theaters to bowling alleys. And it's catching some folks off guard. Uh, And so it's just good to be aware of this trend. You're going to see it more and more. And you might not like it because you might be shocked at certain times by the price of something like a bowling lane during spring break (laughs) or something like that, Uh, especially if companies go too hard in this direction. I think they could end up losing customers. And if they say, hey, it's the free market and you're being charged like four times what you normally would for something that you're used to paying less for, they could frustrate customers. And so companies are going to have to be careful how they implement dynamic pricing. But then again, you might find that in some cases, you're going to be able to use it to your advantage to save money by doing something on off-peak hours. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about saving money on travel, we, we're always talking about flying in shoulder season and how you can you can save money in a bunch of different ways by zigging when other people are zagging. And I think when with dynamic totally. pricing it, coming into all these other arenas, you can do the same thing in a lot of those areas too. Yeah, it pays to be scrappy. It pays yeah. to, to kind of think in a contrary-like way. And, and that's how we want you to approach this. If you find yourself being quoted perhaps uh like you said uh, a pretty high fee to maybe book a tea time because guess what everybody wants that tea time yeah. on that saturday <laughs> hey the great thing is when you play disc golf tea times are free always <laughs> well we we've never played at a, at one of the nicer courses where there actually are tea times <laughs> because there are so many people that, that want to go i know they where, exist. Where you do have to actually pay money i know they exist i've never done it too rich for our blood <laughs> we get where it's free well, well let's go ahead and end this episode on maybe a bit more of a, a philosophical note like we kind of talked about this maybe at the like right before the break we're talking about maybe the balance between how it is that you want to spend your time the things that are worth pursuing but also money right money like we obviously it's a great tool but we think it's terrible as a value we think it's not something that should be the end-all be-all that you're striving after and a new poll reveals that money is increasingly the value that most folks can agree upon as a society, as a country. Uh, patriotism, religion, family, uh, community involvement, all of those values, all of these things have dropped off a cliff in the past couple of decades, uh, in particular over the past few years. Axios, they said that this reveals a, this is a quote, a rot at the very center of our nation. Wow. And I mean, I can't say that we disagree, you know, like we, like we think that making smart money decisions, we think that pursuing financial independence, that these are all great things, 
But doing it at the expense of some of these other more important things is not. Money is not the ultimate goal. We think that it can be the the fuel for us to be able to achieve some of our our most important goals. It's at least a factor that can allow us to achieve some of those goals. It's not the end all. It's not the only fuel. It's not the only factor, but it's one of the many factors. Because at the end of the day, if you are loaded, right? You're rich, you're wealthy, but you don't have any of these other things. Like what kind of existence is that? I I think there are going to be a lot of folks who put too high of a priority on money and they are not cultivating some of these other things along the way, like family, you know, uh, the desire to have kids, whatever it is that has traditionally defined some of the different values that encompass and describe us as a nation. Um, We need to make sure that we're paying attention to those things because I'm afraid at the end of this lifetime, after a few decades, there might be a lot of folks that have maybe a decent amount of wealth, a decent amount of money, but they don't have those other things. And I'm, I'm afraid that that's going to lead to a lot of regrets, a lot of folks who are not happy with their yeah. life. I mean, it makes me think of our episode with West Moss back in the day about kind of cultivating core pursuits and finding a, a, a few different things because the happiest retirees are ones that don't, not, not necessarily the people who have the biggest nest egg, but they're the people who have a broad range of interests that they pursue on a regular basis. And I think that's true of us throughout life too. And we need, yep. and he was basically saying it's not a switch that you flip on. You're just like, cool, I'm retired. Now let me pursue something that I'm going to love. You have to be building those things along the way. And the more we duck out of some of the things that make our society great, make our lives great, like family and community involvement in favor of just bigger bank accounts, I don't think it's going to lead to greater levels of happiness. And so yep. I hate seeing that like literally on that chart, everything else fell off a cliff except for money. And people yeah. are like, nope, I value this. I don't value any of these other things. And we value money, but yeah. we value all those other things too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We want you to make this smart money moves. We want you to be in a stronger position financially, but not if it means that you don't have anything else at the end of the day, that you've lost some of those other values, in particular relationships, which can be encompassed in so many of those different categories, right? Like mm-hmm. family, kids, parents, community, neighbors, um, all of those things. And so make sure that you are out there loving your fellow human being and that you're leaving some time and space for those relationships to thrive as well. Yes. Occasionally we do get a little existential here. On how yeah. Yeah. It's not just how to money. Yeah. I mean, we just <laughs> about this before I was it's like we talk about money in order for us to be able to live better lives it's, yeah. it's not money in uh, as a goal in and of itself it's about living a good life yes for sure all right how to life how to life <laughs> next podcast all right. all right that's gonna do it for this episode and we hope you have a great weekend hope you have a great Easter weekend spend yeah. some great time with your families do, uh, in your community doing stuff that matters so uh, all right Matt until next time best friends out best friends out Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. 
I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.